Hello and welcome back to another edition of Friends of the Vine Wine Podcast. In this episode, we will feature Yannick Benjamin. Yannick is a advanced sommelier. He works at the University Club in New York City. But he's more than that. More importantly, he is a man who leads by example. He co-founded Wheeling Forward, which is a nonprofit that focuses on giving back to those in the community. He specializes in events. They are called Wine on Wheels. It's a growing community of wine aficionados, sommeliers, sponsors, all those within the wine industry that put on events to help benefit charities. They bring people together from across the hospitality industry to pour wine, socialize, and more specifically, raise funds to empower those people with disabilities, help reach their full potential. Yannick himself was paralyzed back in 2003 from a car accident. He is well-respected on the wine scene. He is a, is a well-respected psalm in the New York City area. And he's a man who is living up to his potential. Yannick and I talk about a lot of his up, upcoming events and our takes on natural wine, the master psalm resets. There's a lot of different topics that we hit. So get ready for a nice conversation with, uh, with a great guy. Before we get into that conversation, I've got a giveaway as well. As everyone knows, I always talk about Pinot, Pinot, Pinot all the time. And I was chatting with Grant Biggs from Kitsch Wines. And he was willing to, to, for the Christmas season, have a giveaway with one of his Pinot Noirs. So the secret word will be Kitsch. That's K-I-T-S-C-H, Kitsch. Send me that word to Friends of the Vine Podcast at gmail.com friends of the vine podcast at gmail.com and enter in for a chance to win a 2017 kitsch wines pinot noir one of the other things i wanted to mention was i want to thank all of you just looked at a few of the different uh, stats from the last few episodes i want to thank so many people from so many different countries that have been joining in our recent podcast episodes france and new zealand Denmark, Sweden, Spain, the UK. So many so many people have been joining in. I really I really want to appreciate and thank everyone for for listening to our, our little chats. From the US has been a ton of great great people uh, sending me messages from uh, Massachusetts, from Virginia, from Washington State, California, Illinois. And of course, up in Canada, we have uh, people in BC listen all the time, Ontario, Alberta. So uh, thanks very much, guys. With all that in mind, let's get right into it. Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime. It's, inf- it's too bad we didn't work out the last one because uh, I know you guys were having a good party that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit, yeah. Well, that's I guess that's the cool thing about some of these events that you're helping to organize and run and stuff is you get a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of fun events and a lot of cool people that you hang out with and uh, oh, obviously yeah. for a good for a good cause right absolutely that's the whole purpose of it yeah you've got I think you've got one coming up uh, next week you've got an event yeah we have this uh, casino and wine night it's we call it corks and uh, corks and uh, cards and uh, it'll be actually where I work at I work at the university club and uh, we're expecting our largest crowd, which is really great. Um, so we're expecting about 150 people. So it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. You're obviously 
still working, but these uh, these events and and stuff obviously take up a lot of your time. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, for sure. I mean, there there are a lot of work. I mean, I wish that I could hire someone that would do it full time. Um, of course, you know everything's budgetary, right? And I, you know, with what I'm doing, and I also have another project that I'm working on. You know, we're trying to open up a wine bar. So it, it takes up a lot of your time. Yeah, these events, I mean, there's so many moving parts that yeah. you have to, kind of, and you have to stay on top of it. Yeah. I when I lived in the Middle East for a few years, and uh, okay. I was working at a hotel doing all their, um, they call it corporate responsibility, you know, so right. all yep. the, similar idea where you're running all the different uh, different events and your, pre your presence in the community and stuff, right? And so I, when I got back to BC, I thought, oh, I could do something. I could do something similar, but out here, it's like it's just you know the expression off the side of your desk, right? Like, oh, you can you can do those things, but just do it off the side of your desk. You're not going to make any money. You're not going to get any time, right? Right. Just, just do it when you have ten minutes here and there, and it's yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. That's it. It's a bit complicated. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of uh, go through that too a little bit. So I, I and it and it's a charity that I I run. So. But gosh, it, it can be it can be hard. It can be challenging at times. I mean, um, and we've you know we've lost people. And the, I find one of the biggest challenges. I bring someone on, they work with us, they finally hit their stride, and then you know things happen in life. They move on, or they go, they move to another place, and and then I just don't have the time to try to train someone else. It's very very difficult. Yeah, yeah, especially if, you, if you've put a lot of time and energy into them, and and uh, and then like you said, to, to do it all over again. Oh yeah, it's the worst. Just switching gears for a second. I noticed you um, you you put out that article. Actually, let's go. <laughs> let's. There's a couple of topics I want to hit. Let's let's go like sure. that. There's a couple of topics I want to hit. So, of course, one was the 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 master song resets, right? Mm. Obviously, I I chatted with Jane a few months ago, and mm. she's obviously affected by it. Of course, you mean uh, Jane Lopes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Jane. Yeah, Jane right, Lopes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, of course. And it's 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 a weird. Because we chatted about two weeks after she had passed. Oh, geez, so, okay. Yeah, so it's like she's on that high, and we're chatting about you know her, right. her passing, course. et cetera, and oh. then now she's gonna have to reset next year. So right, it's interesting. I don't I don't know if there's any other way they could have done it without you know doing it the way they did it. You know what I mean? I don't know how they could have handled it. I mean, I don't know all the details, to be honest with you. And, you know, of course, you hear things here, you know, between articles, between social media, between whispers from other people in the industry. I mean, my heart breaks for people like Jane Lopes, who is just, I mean, she, <clears throat> I mean, she's one of the, I mean, she's really great. I mean, she works hard. She's got the highest level of integrity. I mean, it was obviously a very high number that passed, you know, but I think, you know, I think for the majority of the people who I know that passed, um, I feel just absolutely heartbroken for, mm -hmm. and I think they're actually taking it, some of them are taking it next week, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I'm pretty sure, the reset. Yeah, some of them. yeah I, I guess they've got up until next, they could, they could wait until the actual right. technical uh, sitting yeah. next year, so it's funny, it's almost like, and this is just my speculation, it's almost like because so many passed this year, it's almost like it set off flags in their head. Like I definitely you got the greatest yeah, amount I mean, of people, and you know right. the highest number, and then all of a sudden, so it's like, hmm, I wonder if that put off warning signs. You know what I mean? 
For sure, but I also think that like people have to understand that the, the format has changed. So now you all you take theory first, and then you take you get to if you pass that, then you can a couple months later you can take you, you oh. take service and um and tasting. Whereas before it was you had to do all three, right? And so I think you're gonna see a, a greater increase of people passing. I think there's just access to so many more resources. I mean, you have Guildsom and and people are just so much better informed. I mean, I think it's not going to be unusual, maybe not in the twenties, but I think it's, I mean, I think you might see 10 to 15 people pass yearly. I mean, I think that's something that will not be unusual going forward. And I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. The people will be more prepared. Exactly. I mean, like I said, you just, you go in there, you focus on that one part, pass it, and then you have time to focus on the other stuff. So it, it's not to say that it's any easier, but it, it breaks it up a little bit and it does, it increases your chances of just being more strategic, you know? Yeah. Um, so to see that many people passing, when you see, if you know some of those individuals that passed, a lot of them were on the bubble. These are really talented individuals who really worked hard and you're like, okay, that makes sense. It just yeah. was a very high number. And then this thing came out. <laughs> yeah. So it just kind of like added to the speculation, unfortunately. You're, you're currently in advance, Song, right? I am in advanced SOM. I did take the uh, MS exam as well, and I passed. Uh, I mean, I passed all parts on different times. I just never did it um, collectively. I mean, I had, I had passed uh, the tasting and the uh, service, and I just had to pass steering. And I, 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 you know, I blew it. You know, I didn't. Um, I didn't. I didn't take the time necessary to really like you know study for the theory. I, it's yeah. all my fault. Yeah. <laughs> when when i talked to jane she literally you know it's a, it's she's putting in eight hours a day you know doing theory and and you know right. what, are you, what are you doing this weekend oh i'm spending 15 hours doing you know what i mean like it's right. it's it really is another another full-time job just to do oh theory. it absolutely is yeah yeah uh, it absolutely is i yeah. mean uh i mean the 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 journey is is ultimately rewarding. I mean, and even if you don't end up passing, it does give you a certain structure. It makes sure that you study relevant information and it makes you a better professional. So I think the upside is great. No doubt about it. Uh, I noticed Morgan Harris uh, passed, um, right. which uh, you know him obviously back from the Uncork series. Sure, and, uh, of course. Is he someone you, you still keep in contact with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he lives out in San Francisco now. And he's got a great position out there. Um, I mean, he's uber talented. Um, one of the smartest guys. Great. I mean, I wasn't surprised that he passed. I mean, he was on. He was one of those guys in the bubble. I mean, he was the one that was able to keep his sort of um, his uh, um, pin yeah. because he had passed tasting the year before. So yeah. all he had to do was pass service. But uh, yeah, I couldn't be happier for him. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's cool. That's cool. He we um, I interviewed Bianca Bosker. Um, oh yeah, a few episodes ago. So she chats about Morgan quite a bit. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 for sure. No, yeah. he seems like he's doing really well, and he's working for a, a great restaurant group, and uh, it's got a great program. So I think nice. it's exciting. And it's nice to see that he passed. He's an MS, and he's still going to be working the floor. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, because that's the thing is a lot of people once they pass, if they've got something another opportunity, then it's not easy working the floor all the time, right? So. Right to get right. that chance sure. to get off it and uh, and um, be behind a desk or or something else. Yeah, and something that 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 will be uh, more financially viable, you know, for a better quality of life. I, I mean, I I completely understand. And you you know you're talking about 
you're doing eight hours of theory or four hours, whatever it is, and you're dedicating your whole life. I mean, obviously, you're doing this because you want to be better. You're doing this because you want to be passionate. But I mean, I don't think we should forget that there's a financial reward to all of this, too. And, and that I, it makes sense. I, and I'm OK with that. Of course. And that's the thing is, it's like any profession as you, you work your way up. My my wife just got her master's. She's a teacher. My wife just got her master's oh, um, a couple of years ago, and and there's a you know she bumps up a grid level um, at at her at her um, workplace. She gets more she gets more cash for it. So um, yeah, of course it's uh, it makes sense. Yeah, at the end of the day, you gotta make sure you're taking care of yourself, right? I mean, listen, it's um, it. I mean, literally, it's a doggy dog world. I mean, it is not easy, you mm-hmm. know. So every bit counts, and you know, I mean, you know, for retirement, uh, health insurance is expensive. I mean, yeah. a lot of people that work in the restaurant business, you know, they might get paid a good salary, but they might not be provided with adequate health insurance. So you have to invest more into it. You know, you, we were talking about the uh, that article that came out about yeah. um, natural wines and wine lists and stuff, and sure. uh, I was just thinking about that because I'm gonna, I'm, there's a guy I'm gonna be chatting with, um, um, Abe. Oh yeah, 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 sure, 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 um, yeah, yeah, Abe Schoner from on the Scolium project, yeah. Abe, I know is is a big proponent for natural wines, and yeah, for sure. Just thinking about that, just thinking about that article, it's it's interesting because. It's definitely div- not divided. It's definitely opened up a debate. You know what I mean? As it, I mean, natural wine seems to mm. be that hot topic or that debate topic in that article, right. and what you know, what what people are thinking about for their wine list and stuff. It really right. opened up a big uh, a big debate, shall right. I say? You know, I I mean, um, so I posted about that article um, because I actually did enjoy it. I mean, it was more of an interview, right? A back and forth with uh, Jordan Salcedo and Bobby Stuckey. I mean, who I think are really, really two wonderful people, two people who also excelled in their industry, you know? Um, And I was, I've been very fortunate to, to know them and I've been around them quite a bit. I liked, first of all, I liked the article. I liked the fact that he was talking about what it took to be a sommelier and, and sort of, uh, you know, the proper protocol. Like, I like the fact that he emphasized, like, in order to be a good sommelier, you should work as a waiter. You know, you should do that and, and work your way up. And I think that that's something that's really important. That's what I very much enjoyed about that aspect. But I guess yeah. people focused on, on the natural wine aspect of it in his opinion. <laughs> you're, you're right on the in the sense that he talked about that and – and that also drew a lot of debate because he said literally after five years or seven years, people burn out and they leave the profession. And that right. that brought a lot of, uh, of not heat, but a lot of discussion, shall we say, right? right. About right. the length the length of time right. of, a, of a sommelier's career. Right. Well, I think that they, definitely the heat was with the, um, with the natural wine debate, right? And I think he brought awareness – or he was bringing awareness to a subject that I don't think we talk about. I think there's, I think there are issues with uh, mental health with people working in the industry, working late nights, you know, drinking, partying, and all that kind of stuff. Um, taking care of your body, working out, fitness, and so I think people might mention it, but I think he's the perfect candidate to talk about that. We're talking about a guy who's a who's an entrepreneur, very successful businessman. Um, obviously, you know, he's reached the highest levels in his field by becoming a master sommelier and he takes really good care of his body, right? He, he runs, he works out, 
And I, I feel like we don't do enough of that or we don't talk about that. And I think that that should be really more of the focal point than the natural wine debate. And yes, the natural wine debate is a very important topic. It is part of our industry. It is relevant subject. But the truth is, I mean, there are a lot of natural wines that I've had that are absolutely wonderful. But I'm never going to say to you, I hate that wine before I even taste it just because it's natural. And I'm not going to just automatically love that wine just because you tell me that it's natural wine. I will judge it for what it is. And that's it. And that's and that's how I do with anything, you know, and. There are plenty of wines that, you know, like uh, that are probably in the mainstream that might get, you know, frowned upon amongst sort of elitists. But I think they're very good wines. It's not because they produce a million bottles that I can't enjoy that glass of wine. And so I think that's also something that something to be said about that. Yeah, I, I think I totally agree. I totally agree with that because I think it's there's the people who are proponents of natural wine because strictly because it's natural wine, whether it tastes good or right. doesn't, doesn't taste good. And that's almost the philosophical side of it, where it's the style of winemaking and it's the small production and right. the idea behind natural wines versus the, you know, the big business kind of, um, right. the big, right. you know, the, the barefoot vineyards or, or you know, any of right. the other big, you right. know, big kind of throwing out liters of, of wine a day kind of thing. Right, right. But like you said... There's a lot of those guys that, shall we say, they're in the middle, that they're still conventional winemakers and they're still, they're making great stuff that you can't just automatically dismiss because they're not natural wines or because they're yeah, of you course. Know, um, done in a traditional method. or uh, So, yeah, you, like you said, that's exactly, exactly like what you said. You can't just dismiss something automatically one way or the other. Right. I think also, I mean, I think that maybe, I don't think it was really mentioned in that article, but I think if you're going to be a professional in this industry, you have an obligation. You owe it to the guests. You owe it to yourself to understand even, you know, what what does barefoot wine taste like? What does yellowtail taste like, you know? A lot of these individuals started off tasting these wines, whether it was in college or just when they got out of college because it was affordable. They have easy access to it. But I know a lot of people – that have never that work in this industry that are professionals that have never tasted this you know and i'm not saying that you need to enjoy it but just understand it and have it in the back of your mind and understand and understand all aspects of the wine industry of the beverage industry and i think that's very important i don't think we do enough of that and i think that applies to all of us yeah i and i, I and that's that comment about the elitist uh making the wine list too too selective or too elitist because Right. There's so many tastes in wine. People people enjoy a wide variety and you'll have that guest of come course. in. You'll have a guest come in that wants the natural wine. You'll have a guest that comes in that wants the you know, the mass production wine. Who's to say who's to say who's better? Who's to say what's what's better? If exactly. as long as your guest is exactly. enjoying what he's enjoying, then at the end of the day you're there to help I the guest, agree. right? Of course. That's what it comes down to. So I th I think it was a great article. I mean, I think I think it, and it's good. It's good to have debate. I think it it you know I think it's a very healthy thing as long as people don't start insulting each other and <laughs> start yeah. getting mean. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah, I think you're in agreement that is as long as the guest is is enjoying himself and t being taken care of, then then. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely for yeah. sure. You have that 1959 tasting. Oh yeah, sure. Um, so it was hosted by a. Uh, 
a dear friend of mine. His name is uh, Jim Finkel. He's a he's a really uh, he's a great wine collector, but most importantly, uh, a really generous guy. And um, he's actually born in 1960, but the vintage is not so great. And so he decided to celebrate his birthday by featuring wines from 1959. And so uh, he had uh, Domaine Noir from 1959, um, Bouchard 1959, uh, Clos Vougeot, which was for me the star of the uh, the flight. I mean, of the of all the wines. Yeah. And of course, uh, Margot uh, Lafitte was there 1959, Chateau Ozon. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other stuff that we had there. I mean, it was just, yeah, I, mean, I have the picture somewhere. I mean, for me, the uh, the Bouchard, the Clos Vougeot was what, what really stood out to me. I think it was just super elegant, and it had just turned into all these wonderful flair, flavors. It was just like kind of walking into like the most magical forest after it had just rained, you know? And oh. it just had all these flavors, yeah. Is there, I, I guess that would be a, a memorable wine uh, recently, but there, is there? I'm thinking, of, is there anything else that's really stood out for you that you know really, uh, yeah, really brought something out to you? You know what I mean? I would say probably, and I, I've, you know, I would say in the last three years, or maybe slightly more. But the, the 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 best wine that I've had for me in the last three and a half four years is the uh, Vegas Cecilia Unico 1966. I thought it was just like, a, like just really a magical wine. I mean, it was just like stunning. It's the one that's still, and I, and I, I'm in a good position. I'm in New York City. It's a major urban metropolis. It's, you know, it's it's definitely like the place to be if you want to have access to wines from all around the world. To be around collectors who hopefully you might know who might be generous enough to like bring a bottle to the restaurant to open up and all that. But definitely the uh, Vegas Sicilia 1966 up to now is the one that really stood out. I mean, the Unico is the one that really stood uh, has stood out to me um, leaps and bounds. I mean, and yeah, it's just it was just this perfect combination of the fruit was still lively, then you still get these kind of secondary aromas. You know, obviously the leather, the tobacco, and all that. But just 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 it was just a perfect bottle in perfect condition. Where, where was this? A gentleman who brought it to the university club um, from his collection, I, you know, I had me open it and decanted for him, and then I was just like, wow. Did I mention about Desert Island grape varieties? Did I mention that at all? Gosh, you know, that's a that's a really good question. Um, you know, on one hand, I, want, I love, absolutely adore Syrah, mm. you know, and then I absolutely love Nebbiolo, and, you know, they're completely two different grapes, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I'm thinking I have to drink this for the rest of my life, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. like – so that that's tough. So I would say as far as that, but I I don't know if it's a great, but I would say particular style, right, would be like Chablis for sure. Right. I mean I think that's, that's where I would go. I'm just thinking of what I would have to drink every single day, you know? Yeah. And I think uh, Chablis is just kind of a quintessentially one of those styles of wines that I def- definitely just love and I can never get tired of. Especially when it's done right, with a slight little age to it, three, four years. I mean, I don't like my white wines to be too old because I still love that freshness. Right, um, yeah. And then, of course, there's the exceptions to the rules with Chenin Blanc and and Riesling, but uh, Chablis is definitely a category that I would say. But you know, for a special evening out, you know, if I had to have a, like two of the greatest wines, I mean, for sure, Syrah and uh, and Nebbiolo are also up there as well. I yeah. mean, they're just they're absolutely majestic in their own kind of way. 
It's just, yeah, those lines are pretty spectacular, I think. I mean, and even Brunello's are just beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. the, the, the overall quality of winemaking just alone in Italy is pretty spectacular. Have you got anything going on uh, tonight at all or, or your, your big events next weekend? No, just working away, plugging along and getting this event ready for uh, this coming Thursday, uh, December 6th. And that's it. And then we have, um, then we're, we'll be working on, on next year, which is our eighth annual uh, Wine on Wheels, which is our uh, flagship fundraiser. And that'll be at City Winery here in New York City. And then um, doing this uh, vertical tasting of Penfolds Grange that'll happen in March. And that'll go back to 1976. That's So cool. from... Yeah, ninety-eight and yeah, one of the iconic uh, Australian wines, and that's super exciting. That's cool. And I'm trying to think of what else, and and I'm looking to do uh, wine on wheels and bring it out to Chicago and bring it out to Portland, and that's happening slowly but surely. So hopefully that'll happen. But we're we already did one in D.C., which was very successful, and and looks like we're going to do it again in June of 2019 in Washington D.C., which is a wonderful market. When's when's your first wine on wheels in in the new year? The first one will be in April 27th, and then we have smaller little events before it. Cool. Maybe what I'll do is once when we're done chatting or, or at some point, fire me a couple of links. Uh, For sure. Add in yeah. Because I should have this Thank out you. before the end of the new year. I'll, I'll have this out. Um, okay. So um, yeah. I can fire Thank some you. links in there for, for some of your events. So. Yeah, for sure. Thank yeah. you so much. All right. Well, listen, thank you. You have a great happy holiday. You too. Yes. And thank you. And um, if there's anything you need, let me know. Please, I'm around, okay? And if you're ever in New York, you know, uh, Dude, you know what to reach you. That'd be so much fun. Yeah, I'd love to take you out. I think we're going to leave it there for now. Thanks for listening. For more Wine Conversation and podcast updates, you can follow us on Instagram at Ian's Wine Truths. Check out our website for great photos of our guests friendsofthevine.podbean.com Take care. Have a glass for me.